Thanks for joining me today. This is Worth the Admission Podcast. I'm your host, B. Frank, and usually Travis is here, but he's got life shit going on. So I hope you like the sound of my voice, because you're going to have to get used to it for a little bit. But if you do, check out M. Night's Glass Trilogy. It's our eighth episode. That was the last one and the first one I did solo. With that said, you know, let's just kind of hop right into it. I'm going over the Joker, or more importantly, Joker. This is a movie that I think surprised everybody, both in its overall filmmaking of the story itself and just kind of how the world reacted to it. Prior to its release, it stirred up a bunch of controversy about violence and how the actors and cast and, and all that felt about how it promotes violence. I don't think it promotes violence at all. I think it's a very intricate story that shows how anybody could become Joker. Somebody's just a couple bad days away and it's a comment on violence, beginning violence, how society treats itself and others as well as mental illness. Um, it does it in a very artistic way but also a very real way and there are moments in the movie where the music is not present and it really drives the seriousness and realistic quality of the events that are taking place. It starts out with the old Warner Brothers logo. It takes place during 1981, so it was a very, you know, kind of period piece in that way, which I really enjoyed. Um, we get radio news and kind of a zoom in on Arthur as he's finishing up his clown makeup, and the whole radio explanation is to kind of give us an idea of the world that Arthur's living in, in the Gotham that he's living in. And at the end of that, we get just a really close up on his face and, and you get it from the trailer where he's trying to make his own happy face. And we really get a sense of how sad he is, how much he just wants to smile. Then we get to him on the street. Um, this was also shown in the trailer where the kids take his sign and, and beat him up. He's just left there in the fetal position. Then you get the big title, Joker, big letters. Um, it fills the entire screen. Um, and then we cut to Arthur and his therapist, and we get a bunch of different types of laughs. Um, and th when I watched it the first time, I thought he was trying out different laughs. We end up finding that he has a card that says, I have uncontrollable laughter, sometimes not in the best si of situations, and that it's caused by neural um, or mental illness. And it really drives him throughout the movie because we kind of see an evolution of the laugh in a way and during that scene we get to see how much it hurts him he's trying to hold it back but it's just kind of coming out and then we see the appearance of my favorite supporting character um, according to google cigarette has more screen time than robert de niro in the movie uh, which is completely accurate uh, arthur kind of smokes throughout the entire movie and it there are so many little things that play toward his character throughout the movie, even down to his writing um, in the notebook. The fact that he's got a bunch of medications, I think the therapist says that he's on seven different medications, and that he's been in a mental hospital, and this kind of teases a theory about the, the end that I'll get to, but we really get to know him. And then we move to the bus where we get to see his card um, that says that he has an uncontrollable laughter. And then the scene after that is the first time we see the stairs. Um, now, the stairs you're very familiar with because it was shown in the trailer, um, him dancing down them. This isn't quite that. He is looking up at them, and then you see him slowly walk up there. 
hunched over, um, completely different than what we got to see in the trailer. Um, and it's, it's really cool uh, to see him come down at the end. But we get to see his home life. He's got ties to Thomas Wayne. He has no dad and he lives with his mom. He takes care of her. She's sick. Um, and then they get to watch the Murray Franklin show. Um, we get kind of a dream sequence from Arthur as he's in the in the crowd and he yells out, I love you, Murray, and he brings him up on stage. It's a nice little moment. And then we get to see him back in the in the real world. Um, and it is little ties like this that shows how much he wants to meet Murray Franklin and how big of a deal this show is for him. And then he gets a gun from one of his co-workers, gets called into his boss's office, and the boss is kind of a dick. Uh, he asks him where the sign is, and then he doesn't believe Arthur when he tells him that it was stolen by some kids. And you get this sequence of, of the zoom-in on Arthur's face while the boss is talking, and he just kind of zones him out, and then we see him kicking trash. And it really gives an idea of how angry he is, um, but how much, I don't know if it's called control, uh, or maybe pseudo-control, that he has um, in front of people. And we get to see that anger come out in different ways we get another sad walk up the stairs and at this point after seeing the whole movie it feels like he's gaining levels or or I don't know maybe hitting the top of his break point and then we see Arthur giving his mom a bath and he's talking about his comedy career um, and where he wants it to go and one of the best lines and and this is a very kind of dark humor throughout the movie that we see and she, uh, she says, don't you have to be funny to be a comedian? And I remember being in the theater and I audibly laughed fairly loud, uh, but nobody else did. And I really liked the, the dark humor. And there's really, there's one that, that really got me the most. Um, after the bath, we see him in the living room watching TV and he's playing with the gun that his coworker Randall gave him. And he's dancing, kind of fantasizing about meeting somebody and while he's playing with the gun he accidentally shoots it um, his mom asks what that was he says it was a you know, like a war, a war movie but it's very interesting because we get to see him use the gun three different times um, and we see an evolution in that as well but I'm getting ahead of myself um, his fantasy there kind of shows his loneliness and social life and how he expects social interactions to go and then he follows his neighbor he had met his neighbor in the elevator uh, the night before. Um, it was kind of a quick interaction, but we see him following her. Um, and she ends up coming to his door uh, later that night, and she asks him about it. He tells the truth. He's like, yeah. She's like, I work at a bank. I wish you would have come in. He's like, I've got a gun. I can come by tomorrow. And it's another little bit of, of dark comedy. He even comments on you know, the subjectiveness of comedy at the end of the movie so it's it's kind of sprinkled throughout we see him in a hospital dancing for a bunch of kids and while he's dancing the gun falls out of his pants and then we see him getting fired over the phone um, by his boss and he's trying to play it off like it's part of his act but i mean what kind of act includes a gun he's had a bad day um, and so when he enters the subway it's kind of a recipe for disaster uh, you get a couple key moments in this movie for Arthur, specific key moments. Also, three violent moments, uh, as I would call them. And the key moments show us exactly the big things that, that make Arthur into the Joker. 
and these guys come on they're they're drunk they're belligerent they're hassling some woman and arthur's laughing throughout it the the girl leaves and the guys are trying to ask him what's so funny they're not letting him get out his card and they end up beating him up then he pulls out the gun shoots it shoots them um, and that could have been the last of it but then he hunts down the last guy in the terminal and empties it into him kind of freaked out he goes into the bathroom somewhere and this is one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie because the the dance that he does wasn't choreographed and the music was made prior so the the entire scene is well made it's beautiful um, and it's very well put together um, we get to see his reflection in the mirror and it's kind of it feels like we're starting to see that split within him through that you know type of allegory then he goes to sophie's knocks on her door very confident and goes for it kisses her the door closes and then we see the next day he's cleaning out his locker at work and then there's talk amongst the other employees of what happened on the previous night they're talking about if it's a clown mask or was it paint and it really shows how big this already is and it really builds on that throughout the movie and then later when he's home thomas wayne comes on the tv and he's talking about violence and running for mayor and at one point he talks about how the less fortunate are envious of those that have more than them and he ends up calling them clowns um, and this really sparks the rest of what happens in the movie we get a clear separation of the upper and lower classes and then we see him with his therapist again they've cut funding uh, they're not going to be able to treat him anymore he even asks where he can get his medications from and this is one of my favorite lines and the context around it makes it that much better he tells her she's just asking the same questions every week how's your job are you having negative thoughts and while he's holding his cigarette he says all i have are negative thoughts and it's the delivery of the line itself and the the emotion behind it even if it's not you know crying or super mad it shows arthur and then we see him on stage um, he can't stop laughing uh, he's even invited sophie to his comedy night and ends up having a great night with her they get food they walk around he sees news about the clowns and he sees a guy in in a clown mask in a in like a taxi or something and his pride shows it's the first time we've really seen him proud and it feels like it's something he's not really used to arthur ends up finding a letter after he puts his mom to bed saying your son needs you and that is a letter to thomas wayne and at this point in the movie i remember thinking wow that is quite an interesting connection even in just a one-off story that's that's very interesting and and just again small ties help make this movie what it is um and he's banging on the door and and his mom ends up confirming it she signed an nda that the relationship itself couldn't work per thomas's words arthur takes it upon himself to visit wayne manor he meets little bruce um and in turn meets alfred who tells him that his mom was delusional and a sick woman then arthur gets home and sees his mom being carried on a stretcher to an ambulance and while he's outside of the hospital these detectives come up and in this part of the movie we get to see true confidence from arthur i feel like especially 
in the presence of of somebody you know you, you had sophie but this is this is a much more serious matter and he handles it fairly well sophie ends up sitting with him uh inside she goes for coffee and then arthur sees on murray's show a clip of himself from the comedy club and murray's making fun of him and at first arthur's really excited like i'm on the murray franklin show and then realizes what it's about he even says check out this joker and that becomes important later again from the trailer you kind of saw that we see arthur at home again uh, and he's watching a crowd of clowns on tv again with pride at a banquet where thomas wayne is attending and he goes down there there's a riot that kind of breaks out and he's able to slip past and get inside and he confronts Wayne about his mother and he tells him he's not the father his mom was in Arkham uh, that he was adopted and that she's crazy uh, and then Thomas punches Arthur it's the second time we've heard that both from the Wayne side um, obviously Alfred said it earlier then we see I don't know a simple but very dense and heavy scene and the, the phone is going off in his apartment and he just empties out the fridge and gets inside. And then he's laying on the bed and the phone is going off. And when he answers after the machine, um, he finds out that Murray Franklin wants him on his show. Arthur is kind of taken back by this. Um, he says yes, um, says that he'll be there for you know the following week. And then he goes to Arkham Hospital. Um, and we get a little cameo there by Brian Tyree Henry, uh, who's more famous in Atlanta, Spider-Verse. He's got a, a big IMDb page. But in just this small scene, he gets a file for Arthur. Arthur ends up taking it from him and he reads it and, and everything is confirmed. There's adoption paperwork. She was in a hospital in Arkham for child endangerment. He was cuffed to like a heater and had head, inju head injuries. And there's this awesome moment back and forth where he's standing in the room as if he was there. And it's cool because it shows the audience what he's reading and essentially how he is experiencing it. What he feels like it was like to be in the room when all this was going on. Then he goes to Sophie's. He's been walking in the rain. He's very downtrodden. And he's sitting on the couch and she comes out and she's scared. She's like, you're Arthur from next door, aren't you? And we learn through a series of flashbacks that it all the Sophie stuff has been in his head other than the elevator he's talking to himself he's walking to, well, with himself he says I had a bad day and when we learn all this it feels like we're being told well what is real what should we believe what is in his head and again that kind of points to a theory I'll bring up at the end um, that's been very popular going around but the, the music swells when he walks out of the apartment. You don't find out if he did anything or not. And then he goes to the hospital to see his mom. And he's like, you know what really makes me laugh? I used to think that my life was a tragedy. But now I realize it's a fucking comedy. And this is another one of the, the great lines that are delivered in this movie. Because then he, he puts a pillow over Penny's mouth and kills her. And then we see him practicing for his entrance on the Murray Franklin show. He's got one of the old episodes up, he's got a towel up, and he's trying to mimic it, trying to get through his sitting position, and he's trying to tell a joke. We get a laugh track behind him as well as if he's actually there, kind of giving us an idea of how he's experiencing it, is how I took it. But he's like, knock, knock, then pulls an empty gun 
out and puts it in his mouth and pulls the trigger. Um, so at this point, we kind of get the idea that he's planning on shooting himself when he gets on the Murray Franklin show. He's dying his hair green. We get a little dance uh, to That's Life, which is the Murray Franklin show's kind of uh, entrance and exit music. And then while he's putting on face makeup, he finds a picture and on the back of it says, Love your smile, TW. This is another one of those moments that makes you think for yourself, well, okay, what, did that mean Thomas Wayne? Did that mean somebody else? Okay, what's, what is real? And that's kind of a recurring thing in this movie is what, what is real? Then we get a knock on the door. He picks up a knife and kind of sticks it in his back pocket. And it's Randall and Gary, um, who's the, uh, the small guy. Um, I think he's the best, best way to put it, I guess. Um, but he's talking and, and another one of those dark comic, comic lines is my mother died. I'm celebrating that kind of shows us what this scene is going to be because then he's kind of going back and forth and he ends up stabbing Randall a bunch of times, banging his head against the wall. This is the second violent moment and one of the second key moments. Cause right before that, he's also like, Oh, I stopped my medications. And that's obviously the first thing you want to hear from somebody who takes a lot of, you know, medications like he does. But then comes the darkest humor moment for the entire movie the smaller guy Gary he's being let go Arthur says he can go and he gets to the door and the lock at the top is locked and he can't reach it so he has to ask Arthur for help unlocking it and Arthur doesn't hurt him he just tells him that he was always nice to Arthur and then lets him go almost an hour and a half exactly we get some awesome music he's walking out in full suit in full makeup with his cigarette he gets into the elevator and then we see him on the stairs again and this is the part that was in the trailers obviously it didn't show it all to us but as he's coming down it's clearly day versus the night that he's usually walking up them and he's got a lot of energy a lot of confidence this is the moment where you realize okay he's the joker he's he's there and then we get an awesome chase to the subway from the detectives as he's walking down. He ends up getting away and the confidence that he has walking out of the terminal is just awesome to watch. It's only three or four seconds long, but it shows him as he is now. He has finally come to terms with who he is and it's really showing. Then we see him in the green room outside of Murray's show. Murray comes in, kind of introduces himself. And he goes over the rules of the show, you know, no dark stuff, anything like that. Um, and then Arthur's like, when you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Murray's like, why? He's like, well, that's what you called me on your show, a Joker. And he's like, all right, fine. Now comes some of the tensest, tensest moments of the movie. And Murray is, is talking about Arthur's video and, and they're laughing and stuff. And we see the seriousness on his face while he's smoking the cigarette. And before he brings him out, he starts dancing really slow. Music starts and he, he comes out, takes a seat and they, they talk back and forth. And he asks if they want to hear a joke and then ends up being really dark and not funny. Ha ha funny. And that's not the kind of humor they kind of warned him about. And at this point, he says comedy is subjective. And he's like, you know, what's funny to you isn't necessarily funny to everybody else. And he's 
he's talking about society and if it were me on the streets you'd walk right over me and that's why I killed those three men on the subway and nobody believes him and he starts making some some dark jokes again then Murray starts talking back to him he tells Murray all you wanted was to bring me on and make fun of me he's like how about another joke what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash I'll tell you what you get. You get what you fucking deserve. And then he shoots Murray in the fucking head. This is the third violent moment. And and they're all violent in a different way. Um, but this also completes his, you know, as I'd call it, the gun arc. The first time he shoots it, it's by accident. He doesn't really know how to handle it. The second time it's in self-defense, he's a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, but he obviously kills, kills uh, that last guy. This time... He does it with purpose, on purpose. And then he shoots him again, of course. Um, and, and he does a quick dance, gets up into the camera. He's like, good night, and always remember, that's life. And it cuts out to, like, music. Like, you know, the feed's been cut because somebody's just been shot in the fucking head on, you know, on the air. Uh, and then we get him in the cop car. Now, the score for the entire movie is great. But the soundtrack for the random bits that weren't made for the movie are very awesome and very well used. I think they're used three or four times. But while he's in the cop car, there's riots outside. You see the smile on his face again, and then there's a crash into them. Arthur's carried to the hood of the car. We see the Waynes get shot by somebody in a clown mask because Arthur mentioned him on the show. You know, another little tie to both of them as Joker and Batman, uh, Bruce. He's carried onto the hood, um, from the crash and he gets up everybody's circled around him they're really energetic they're cheering him on basically and he starts dancing again very slowly and then he puts his uh, his fingers in his mouth and makes the smile with the blood from his mouth then we see a white room now this is the point where you know this is just kind of a tag at the end he's laughing he says i thought of a joke and you wouldn't get it and then we see him you know, with bloody footprints walking down the hall in this clean white building, getting chased, and then it says the end. Now, the theory that's popular online is that all of the Joker movie was in his head. We found out that he was in a hospital at some point prior to the movie, and it seems like if this is Arkham, it's much too clean than it was when we saw it throughout. If you like that theory, if you have another theory, please let me know. I took it at face value. Especially because I just, I like the film so, so damn much. But then that's it. That's the movie. It's really well made. It's very well done. And Todd Phillips, who's been more of a comedy director, I think he killed it. No pun intended. I think Joaquin deserves an Oscar nomination for his performance. Even if the movie itself doesn't win, I think he should at least get a nomination. Because he was fantastic. He, he drove that. And, and even Todd Phillips said while he was writing the story, he had Joaquin pictured in the back of his mind. And he wanted him. And if it didn't work, they would have found a way to make it work. But he's really glad that Joaquin made it. But as someone who really enjoys movies, I really enjoyed this one. And I think it would end up on my top ten of all time to go as, as bold as that. Many people will bring up the conversation of Heath Ledger versus Joaquin Phoenix at this point, And it's hard to really have that conversation I feel because I think one of the reasons we like Joaquin's Joker so much is because we got to grow with him 
and see him change into what he became versus Heath Ledger's Joker, which was just always the Joker. We got some stories that may or may not have been true from him. Um, and so he was more of a mystery. I would definitely say that this movie is worth the admission and it definitely has the qualities of a lasting movie. Hop over to episode 20 because um, Travis and I talked about that, but it is. It is timeless. I feel like it's it's set in 1981. Um, it doesn't hold that over on the movie. The movie itself just happens and it just happens to be in 1981. But with, with that, that is the Joker. That's what I thought of the Joker. Let me know what you think. You know, let me know what everybody else thinks. Tweet us at WTAE Podcast. Follow us. Um, listen to all of, our, all of our other shit. If you like my voice, um, definitely. I guess Travis's is good too. But with, uh, with that being said, my name is B. Frank, and this is Worth the Admission.